If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and today I am joined in studio by Kyle Olson. He is the founder of The Midwesterner. You can find it at themidwesterner.news. And he's bringing us a story today about something very interesting. And I find this interesting because when I was campaigning for governor, we talked a lot about whether or not people would ban things across the country. And there was a big group of people that accused me of wanting to ban things. I'm not a fan of banning things. I actually think that we should have discussions. We should not come out and say that we are going to control society. That's not necessarily the case with our universities, though. And that's what Kyle wants to talk to us about today, right? Yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So what we want to talk about is this Michigan State University inclusivity guide that they put out uh, it was a couple weeks ago, got a lot of national attention, but I didn't really see any sort of in-depth analysis and in what this really means for society. And so we've got this guide here. It's 19 pages long, and it says Michigan State University values communications practices that support belonging for all Spartans in alignment with strategic efforts that advance diversity, equity, and inclusion the Supplemental Inclusive Guide is a resource that provides best practices for communications on an increasingly diverse global campus. And then what they do is they break down these various categories of gender and sexuality, race and ethnicity, global identity and disability. And they talk about general practices, things that you're supposed to say and things that you're not supposed to say. But see how this works on the left. If we come out and we say we want to have a discussion about pornography in schools, this is not okay to have pornography in schools. They immediately accuse us of you're going to ban something. You're going to prevent people from seeing something. 19 pages of I mean, I give them credit. They do a great job of naming things. The inclusive guide makes you feel really good, right? That's, that's the point. That's a friendly feeling. But this is a banned words guide. 
it is a banned words guide, and and you bring up inclusive, and which is interesting because they're saying they want to be inclusive, but this you tell me if this uh, this portion right here sounds inclusive to you. So they so they say consider the sensitivity around United States holidays that are celebrations of colonialism, such as Thanksgiving. Instead of Columbus Day, MSU recognizes Indigenous Peoples Day on the second Monday in October to celebrate the first inhabitants of the Americas. So if you, as a, an American family, support Thanksgiving, or you, you're Italian, for example, and you, and you, uh, you know, honor Columbus Day, they're essentially shaming you and they're saying that's not acceptable. But think about this. I, just in the last week, we've heard these people coming out and saying, well, we don't necessarily need to celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. You, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with this, you shouldn't be thinking about Mother's Day and Father's Day. And, you know, this is kind of close to me. I lost my dad last year in June. And so Father's Day will be um, just a few days before the anniversary of losing my dad. But no part of me wants to say, now that that happened to me, none of you should get it. None of you should be allowed to celebrate Father's Day because of my personal situation. And, and for people who have two moms or two dads, then, you know, because I, that's not my situation, you shouldn't be able to celebrate, which is outrageous to me because I look back at my life with my dad and think about all of the amazing Father's Days that I had with him. What an honor that I was able to do that. So at what point did we get to all of this banning and stopping and trying to make everyone feel so okay with their life and being so concerned about whether or not this is a day that's hard for someone and not for me? When do we say this is enough? Well, and that's that's really, I think, the key point is the mentality, right, not supposed to say there, is basically that if I it's don't have right something, if, yeah, you're <laughs> supposed to say Z and Zer, I think. <laughs> If it's not Zer mentality, <laughs> if they don't have something, you shouldn't have that either. And right. so it's this sort of, you know, leveling the playing field. But instead of raising people up, they're lowering, they're, they're dropping people down. Well, I think as I look through this guide, one of the, the usage or one of the words you're supposed to use is Latinx instead of Latino and because or Latina, because it includes everybody you have to because you I mean, to be fair, it's the inclusive guide. So who am I to say right. anything? But I've had so many people of Latino descent say to me, we don't want that to change. I mean, that's our that's our language. Our language is is identifies which gender you are. And there's reasons for using different words at different times. We're now trying to change a language that is not our native language. Well, I guess I'm not allowed to say that either. It is not. No, you can't say You native. can't say no. that. The funny thing is that actually, since I've read this inclusive guide, I've had so many people send me text messages and just have regular conversation where I think to myself all the time, oh, you are on the banned words list. And it's not words that they think that, I mean, they're not using words to hurt people, but I'll say one of them, you're not allowed to use the word powwow. And someone sent a text message the other day saying, let's have a powwow on this. This was not meant to offend. Right. This is some of these are words that are a part of just our everyday culture, and they're really they're really saying you have to and you have to feel bad if you say this. Right, and um, in the gender and sexuality portion, um, according to Michigan State, a best practice um, we hear LGBT a lot, and then a Q was added, and then it just seems like that keeps getting longer. 
and it says LGBTQIA2S+, that's where we're at now, is often used at Michigan State to refer to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, and or queer, intersex, asexual, and two-spirit groups. There was another one in here. Yeah, you can't say spirit animal. And I read this, and then I was watching that show, The Morning Show. So The Morning Show, actually, I will give them credit. They did a good job of this because they had an episode where the weatherman was talking about the groundhog, and the groundhog said that there would not be six more weeks of winter, and he said the groundhog is my spirit animal. And in the show, he gets off the set, and all the producers are like, oh, you you have to do something because you can't say this. And he's like, I didn't mean anything by it. And they go through this whole thing about and how he feels bad, but he's like, I didn't mean to offend people. And I think that we're getting to this point where people are getting attacked for things that they genuinely, their heart space is not, is not there to be hurtful. And when you get these guides, it's just, it's, telling people you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Do you remember, so Kyle and I used to work together. We had a a company and one of our clients was an older gentleman and we were not on phone calls allowed to say you guys, which is a really Midwestern thing. And I don't know, maybe other parts of the country say this too. And we had two women on our end of the call and we would say, well, you guys do this or you guys do that. And this guy would stop the call and look at us and, and say, do you know what you did wrong? And you, and you felt really bad about it because he was an older guy. Do you remember that? I, I do remember that. Yeah. It's very awkward. And I think so many of these terms like you guys is not intended to be harmful or a put down or any of that sort of thing. It just is, it just is the way a I lot mean, of people now women talk. are men anyway. Why do they care? Well, and to that <laughs> point, so one of the terms you're supposed to avoid is it says avoid the term female as a noun for women. The pejorative term reduces women to their assumed biological anatomy. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> but the but why don't they say male? Why do they only talk about female? I mean, why wouldn't we be why wouldn't we be our anatomy matter? That's okay with me. That's who that defines us in many different ways. And my anatomy allows me to do amazing things like have a child and and grow a baby inside of me. And I know that's not the case for all women, but there are differences in our bodies. And the fact that we're actually reducing women to, if you put lipstick on, you can be a woman. That to me is more offensive. Don't you see how this is just sort of blurring the lines where we don't have black and white. There just is, it's all gray now. Right. And where, where does this stop? Well, it doesn't stop with grandfather clause because that one's out. And I think that's interesting that's at, that that's out because I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden has been grandfathered into the White House. <laughs> In more ways than one. It's interesting, too, towards the beginning of this inclusive guide, it points out that basically this is an evolving document, which is interesting because when I first read this story a few weeks ago, it was on uh, campus reform was the first to break the story and then or to bring attention to it. And it got picked up on Fox and, you know, all kinds of other places. But the the most outrageous part was that it said that you could not, um, basically it focused on, I guess what I would characterize as Christian holidays. Didn't talk about any other sort of holidays, but just Christian holidays. It said, quote, in winter and spring, avoid references to majority religious imagery and language, such as the word Mary 
or Christmas trees, wreaths, holly, bells, gifts, reindeer, bunnies, eggs, and chicks. Use terms like wishing you a wonderful winter spring break. Have you ever wished someone a wonderful spring break? I mean, probably, but but but, but not, not in the not, not in, the in context a religion, of Easter, it, it, right? You know? Not in the absence of something. <laughs> and else. the funny thing about this, this is how little they actually know about Easter, because I think the majority of Christians would say, "Well, it's not about bunnies, eggs, and chicks," you know. Well, <laughs> so. yes, that is true. So this story came out March thirtieth, which is not that long ago, and the inclusive guide was updated in April of twenty twenty three, which is still right now. These words have been eliminated. So we can now say bunnies and chicks and Christmas trees again. Maybe someone came to them and said, did you know that the Christmas tree, the bunnies, eggs and chicks are just marketing and they don't actually have to do with Christian holidays? And they said, oh, marketing's fine. We'll do marketing. Marketing's good. We'll go with that. But if if words can just freely come and go and they are today or, you know, two weeks ago, you couldn't say that word. But now suddenly they take it out and you can say it again. Where do, how do people know what is appropriate or what you can say or shouldn't say if this is just constantly evolving? I think the lesson learned here is if you are at a university, you should print your inclusive or your inclusive guide once a month and make sure that you're not telling people they're wrong when they're using guides or words that may have been removed from the guide. You never know. So they may add one too. So my my problem with these sorts of guides is basically what they do is they are shaping the way media is done. It's shaping the way you hear the news on TV or you read a website. And then as you consume that news, it's shaping the way you think about things. And so this is all very intentional. And so I guess my question is what to you, where do you think this stops and what is the practical implication? of these sorts of what I would consider sort of the softening of society? Well, I I don't think it stops until we are impacting culture and heart space in television and having open conversations about this. But on the flip side of that, and people will argue that I'm wrong on this, I think these are important things for conservatives and Republicans to read and understand because this is this group has been taught this now. And so when we come out with messages, they are seen, they're coming out and saying that words that conservatives specifically use should offend you. And that is a perfect way to push people away from conservatives, push people away from the Republican Party. So when we're talking about messages for elections, you have to consider that this is what our young people are looking at. Michigan had the largest number of young people come out and vote. They voted for Democrats. They're hearing Republicans talk this way. They've been taught this in school, that we are saying the wrong thing. And honestly, as we're looking at framing, we have historically always talked about illegal aliens coming across the the border. And that's the framing that we've used. But if you look at this, you say you're 18 to 25 year olds are being taught. This is a nasty way of referring to someone. And whether that is a legal term or not, we now know that if you frame that message differently and talk about genuinely the dangers of, of what's happening at the border, that kids are in danger, little girls are being hurt, little boys are being hurt. We have to keep people safe. It is a different way to reach these young folks. So as much as I think this is crazy, it's out there. We have to know it's out there. And we have to think about how you talk to these people to bring them back to 
the freedoms that we have in this country. And so that at some point we can talk to them about banning things. Actually, it's not what you want. You don't want things to be limited. According to page 18, you can't say crazy. I do that that Because that is ableist language. I know. Well, I work with you, so I have to. You're crazy. That's anti-ableist, I think. (laughs) I don't know. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. What this does, and this is, and I I went to Michigan State, and I'll tell you about a story from Michigan State in a second, which happened many years ago. Many, But they they want students to be global citizens. And they denigrate America. America is the problem, is the evil in the world, and um, and all of those sorts of things. Like for example, in previously you could not say America in the previous version, and now it doesn't reference America. So apparently we can say America again. Oh. They were they were I guess embarrassed into acknowledging that the campus is in America and is funded by American tax dollars. But I remember I was sitting in a class. This would have been 1998, maybe 99. And there was a map on the wall. And I remember the professor pointed at the map and said, do you realize that North America and the United States is in the center of the map? Because we have a American-centric mentality. And of course, I'm guessing even then, a lot of those students said, Oh, that's a very profound point. But I thought to myself, 
the map maker is probably in America. <laughs> why is this such a profound, like, why, why are you turning this into some profound thing when it's, you're making something out of nothing? But no, that's funny because I remember when I was younger, one of my dad's friends was from the UK and he said, when I was a kid growing up, I had no idea that the UK was a smaller country than the United States because in our textbooks, we had the UK on one page and the United States on the other page, and they were the same size. And he said, I mean, I, I get why they did that. They wanted people to feel like we're a big country. But, I, you know, I think that's that's something that you see no matter what. You see pride in country. That's pride in your country. And I think it's important that people respect where they live and they're, they're happy. They understand what the benefits are. I mean, I really think that we should look at what's happening in China and Russia right now and be honest. I mean, gosh, we see all these articles now saying that President Xi is sending a peace envoy to Ukraine and he's this peaceful guy and he's bringing people together. This is a man who he enforces human rights offenses every day. They do not care about human life. And we're not being honest about that. We're acting like, oh gosh, well, maybe he can take over. And the point is he will if we don't start to say we are a great country. And you should be happy to live here and you should defend our country. But I think, yes, and I totally agree. I just think in my MSU story, there's not always some devious plot. It's sometimes it's just the map maker is a U.S. company and they're right. probably selling their maps to U.S. schools. And it just makes sense to put it in the center of the map. It's not because the map maker is some, uh, what, what would you call them, a nativist or xenophobe, whatever you're supposed to say. It's just, it just is a simple through, thing. I'll but have to look through the guide and find out what the yes, appropriate term so is. We'll, we'll get back to it. <laughs> but um, to, so here is when you think in the context of how they're changing language and they're banning certain words and they're saying this is what you should say and all of that. To me, it, it really represents the softening of society. And there was right actually basically the same day that the Fox News story came out about this guide, State News, which is the Michigan State student newspaper, published a story uh, March 30th. Student journalists detail, quote, nerve wracking experiences with social anxiety. People have social anxiety. I have social anxieties. I think probably a lot of people do. According to this, 36% of adults do. That's the way it is. But basically what they're saying is because some students want to go into journalism and a lot of students are, will be reporters and they have to interact with people, that triggers anxiety. And so I'm not really sure what the solution is, but the, the, one of the interesting parts of the story that I thought was relevant to you is it says, quote, often the stress of the topics student journalists have to cover can trigger social anxiety. The student that they're quote, that they're interviewing uh, said the gubernatorial election is an example of this stressful coverage. And <laughs> it was he, for me. He says, "Well, just imagine <laughs> sitting in the back having to write about it. That is very stressful." But he says, "Quote: Just the whole atmosphere of going, because I had to go to Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon's last debate in Oakland University." That was probably the most stress I've been in and the most anxiety I've ever had. Everybody had their story and I didn't because I had to watch each person's stuff to get the facts. And I think I almost cried. 
I think I almost cried because it was so much work on me. I think in general, we're raising a generation that doesn't want to have to have too much work. But uh, you think about that. I will tell you, going into that debate was stressful for me. But I look back at those debates a little bit. A little bit. There was, there was a lot of work on me. Um, but, I, but I look back at that. It wasn't nasty. We didn't go after each other personally. We went after policies. We talked about that. In the whole scheme of things, it wasn't a screaming, yelling debate. So think about that. I mean, I think we had a very reasonable professional debate. And this kid said he was this stressed out about it. And you know what? I kind of call BS on some of this because they'll say this, but they mercilessly attacked me and had no problem with it whatsoever. And I will point out that like I, we talked about earlier, I lost my dad in June. And about two weeks later, one of our young journalists wrote a hit piece on my father. So you know what? Give me a break. These guys have no cares in the world when it comes to attacking the right. They're concerned about their own candidate. This is, I mean, I think it's funny that it's state news. Most of it is actually state-run media. Look at what happened with Joe Biden. He has the question on a piece of paper from a reporter. And I would say in this instance, because we're hearing about these weenie reporters, we should be saying, who is going to call out that woman? who clearly agreed to have her question given to Joe Biden ahead of time. And when are we going to say, okay, you can't complain about too much work on you as a journalist if you're not actually a journalist. These people are not, he's not a journalist because he can't sit in a debate. I mean, grow a set and sit in a debate and listen to two women talk about the state. But he, I mean, how could you, you shouldn't be doing this. If this is your situation, you shouldn't be doing this. If you're a big enough dickhead to go out and write a terrible story about someone's father who they just lost, two weeks before. You shouldn't be a journalist because you're not looking at the facts of the day. I mean, I hate to say it, but this is what these people are doing. This guide is the reason these journalists are not capable of doing their job because they're going through and they're saying, oh my gosh, did she say a word she's not allowed to say? Is she doing this? Is she doing that? When the the reality is the people that are stopping forward moving progress in this country are the ones who are saying, we can no longer have the debate. You can't even talk about it. You can't be open about it. But instead, we'll pick on people that we don't like and bring up things that are not relevant and destroy them and burn them down and not write about the actual debate, not write about the facts that are actually happening. Well, so this just might be helpful to you as you process and, and you're, you're, if you have anxiety during a debate. So this he may have some advice here for you. So this student who is a journalism master's student, so he already has one degree. He's a master of nothing. Um, He's not even a master of his own emotions. Um, can I continue, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, I know he, that, here's I, what he said. I get that I'm making you mad. No, but no, you're I not mean, making me mad. But this is the this is the point. You're a master of what? I, I mean, I don't disagree it's so at all. It's disappointing to see. And I, and people will say how, you know, she she said that this this kid was a weenie. But really, go go work someplace where you don't have to be public and you don't have to. The, and that's the point. And so I, let me address that because that's a good point. He says, if the workload gets too overwhelming, students should step away from the news and prioritize mental health first. And here's his quote. It's not worth me losing sleep to get this story perfect. 
<laughs> I mean, don't do your job. So heaven forbid. We don't need to fact check. Just put the story out and we'll move on. It's not worth it because it, he's a, a leftist. So he doesn't have to get the story right, right? You don't actually have to do your job. And that's the beauty of being a journalism student in this world today. You can say, I couldn't do this because of this. I'm limited by that. And I had to just put out what I got because my emotions. I mean, I remember after the campaign, there were a few reporters in Michigan who had to take a leave of absence because of their emotions. And I say to them, find a new career because journalists have been doing this since the beginning of time. It is not a new profession. And if you personally can't handle it, then you shouldn't be doing it. And I get that it is. there are a lot of emotional stories. I mean, obviously we went through Oxford, we went through MSU. But you committed to this. And if you can't do it, then don't go to the public and say, feel bad for us. It's so rough. Just step away. Well, and again, speaking or thinking about in terms of there's just no right and wrong. There's no black and white. It's everything is gray. At what point are professors and counselors going to say, look, you have maybe journalism is not the right fit for you. But instead, they don't they don't do that. And instead, what they do is they want journalism to fit them. No, they're like, you should all be journalists as long as you follow this inclusive guide. That's true. This is how you can do it. It's how you can be successful. So it's been interesting. I appreciate the fact that you're keeping us posted on what we can and cannot say. For all of you out there, I know that you're very concerned. My my attitude is you can say whatever you want to say. If you want to follow more, where do they follow? You can go to themidwesterner.news. Thank you, Kyle Olson from The Midwesterner. Thank you for sharing what we can and can't say. And thank you all for joining me on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Always remember for this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or go to Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Join me next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a great day, everyone. Be careful of those words. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.